Sabbath. Sabbath. Do you already feel guilt? Does, does even the word Sabbath, for me, it just induces guilt. I reject guilt. I reject Sabbath guilt. I have way too much other guilt that feels more pressing. than <laughs> Sabbath guilt is so far down the guilt line. I don't even go there. That would make a good podcast. Where, where Rank your guilt. <laughs> That's right. Welcome aboard, Stowaways, to the ninth episode of Seminary Stowaways, where we make the lively discussion of the seminary classroom accessible to everyone. I'm your host, Hannah Connor, and I'll be joined shortly by my co-host, Louie and Riley. Today, we're talking about Sundays, or Saturdays, if you want to be really hardcore. The Sabbath, the most ignored commandment, and in my mind, kind of the weirdest. It hardly seems to have the same urgency as do not murder. It's for people who make their own schedules and enjoy leisurely mimosa brunches on Saturday. Not for people who wake up to children jumping on their face or who are serving brunch on Saturday. But Luann walks us through an exploration of the Hebrew roots of Sabbath through the lens of her Israelite wannabe professor and explains the difference between keeping the Sabbath and embracing Sabbath-keeping practices and that unrelenting busyness of life that makes a day of rest seem both unattainable and lazy. Well, we get to the bottom of that too. But first, let me introduce Luann Riley. Luann grew up in Alabama, but got to Texas with her husband, Justin, as fast as she could. She left her ladder climbing gig in corporate America for a full-time job in ministry seven years ago, and she's the former discipleship director of a large Houston area church. She's currently pursuing a Master of Arts in Theology while wrangling her twin boys. She has a passion for hoodie sweatshirts, non-dairy creamer, books that make her cry, and Alabama football. I want to introduce you to my friend, Hannah. Hannah is currently a communications manager for an anti-child trafficking organization, and I happen to know she's a pretty fantastic wife and mom. Her family just moved back to the U.S. after doing missions in the U.K. for the past three years. She's an Enneagram 5, so naturally, she loves detective stories and TV. She has a degree in creative writing and has worked in church ministry or parachurch ministry for the past eight years. Hi, friend. Hey, friend. How's it going? Oh, you know, just super excited to talk about this topic today. Sabbath. Sabbath. Do you already feel guilt? Does, does even the word Sabbath, for me, it just induces guilt. I reject guilt. I reject Sabbath guilt. I have way too much other guilt that feels more pressing. than <laughs> Sabbath guilt is so far down the guilt line. I don't even go there. That would make a good podcast. Where, where, rank your guilt. <laughs> That's right. I mean, if you're a woman, mom guilt's got to be pretty far up there. I can't okay. think of too many other guilts All after right. mom guilt, though. All right. Ask me. But we've already, we've already slided our hand on what we're talking about, but just ask me anyway. Yeah. So what are we, so we going to be talking about today? Today, we're talking about how Hannah needs to turn her phone on silent because I just heard it ding. It's from my computer. I was just kidding. Is it? Maybe. Sorry. Got Ask it. me again. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about Sabbath. Mm, how restful. I feel just restored already just saying that word. Shabbat. And <laughs> Shabbat, oh Lord. Do you feel good? What better? resources will we be looking at? So today we are pulling from a variety of resources. So you're going to want to check the show notes for these because we are going to talk about several books, but just excerpts from those books. Um, One of the 
main ones is by Dorothy Bass. It's a book called Practicing Our Faith, and we're talking about the chapter on keeping Sabbath, which I found to be extremely helpful in my understanding of Sabbath. Mark Laverton also has a book called The Dangerous Act of Worship, and that's a book that we're going to be talking about in future episodes as well, but we're really going to only be talking about the Sabbath-keeping practices that we find in that book today. And then there's an article out of a book called The Sabbath by Abraham Joshua Heschel. And if that's not the most Jewish name that has ever been given to a child, uh, called The Sabbath. But we're talking just a couple of um, chapters from that book as well. That book is deep. That book well, is yeah, deep. Well, I've deeply, only read that chapter, but that chapter Deeply is Jewish, deep. yes. The Labyrinth book, though, that's a good buy. It's an excellent book. Excellent book. And so I'm glad we're going to be talking about it some more as well throughout this next series on worship practices. So when we start talking about the Sabbath, my first question is, where does our understand, where does our understanding of the Sabbath come from? Is it just the Ten Commandments? So Sabbath, the understanding of Sabbath comes really from two places. Uh, first, you see God in establishing what's known as the Sabbatarian um, rhythm, which is six days of work, one day of rest in Genesis in the creation story. And then the narrative of Sabbath or the more of the roots of Sabbath comes when the Israelites have left Egypt they are gone into the wilderness, into the desert. Um, there's a couple of places where Sabbath again is reinforced. And the idea in the first one is that God invites the Israelites into the Sabbath um, pattern by providing the manna on the seventh day. Uh, hmm. That they rest. So on Saturday, or I guess it would have been their Friday under Jewish custom, they collected enough manna for two days. And so they rested on a day. Um, and so that is sort of inviting the Israelites into this pattern of rest that we see God establish at the beginning of time. And then the other place that we see Sabbath in the Old Testament is when Moses goes up on the mountain and comes down. And that's considered the, the Sinai Covenant, um, which is the Ten Commandments and uh, the Sabbath being part of the Ten Commandments there. So we've got it from two places in the Old Testament. But why, I mean, why has it stuck around? Kind of because, I don't, after reading I mean, has Andy it Stanley's book. I mean, I guess this is a good question because has it stuck around? You're uh, right. It's stuck around in like things it, we're supposed to do. Theoretically, that are things. It has not stuck around in things we actually do. I agree. And so one of the interesting questions, I think, that we were asked to think through. So seminary is big on the idea of praxis theory praxis. So at the beginning of a class or the beginning of approaching a topic or an understanding, you establish your praxis. This is what have you known? Where did it come from? What does your current practice look like? And you evaluate that. Then you learn the theory. So you're presented with any number of theological topics from a, from different resources. You read all of those and then you write what your new praxis might be based on integrating what you've always known, what you've always done, 
add the new information, and you come out with a praxis. So the part of our praxis that we had to establish at the beginning of the class in terms of Sabbath was, what is your current understanding of Sabbath? Where did it come from? And one of the interesting questions was, what is the Sabbath culture of your current church? And what, you know, what does it teach? How do you practice it? And I was like, man, I don't, I, I don't know if I really have one. I, I don't think I, I don't have a current practice of Sabbath. I, I can't remember it ever really being part of the church I grew up in either. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the idea of Sabbath meant one thing in my fa- house and that meant we were going to church that day. Like, you know, like it wasn't like, oh, keep the day, you know, holy so we can rest. It meant get out of bed. We're honoring the Sabbath. Like, stop complaining mm-hmm. about going to church. This is what you do on Sunday. But yeah. other than that, I don't feel like it wasn't a restful day for us. There wasn't, it didn't follow that pattern. It just happened to be the day we went to church. What mm-hmm. about you? Would Would you say your praxis of Sabbath was? I would say it certainly was different as a child than it has been as an adult, and it definitely involved going to church. But Sunday was different growing up because Saturday was the day of work. Mm. Like, if we had housework and stuff to do, it was on a Saturday. In a way, like, I had these expectations of that Saturday would be, like, free and fun because I didn't have school. And then I'd get up, my parents would be like, guess what? We're cleaning this house. And I'd be like, no. <laughs> um... And Sunday was more of a restful day. We wouldn't do a lot of housework. I don't I don't remember that my parents were ever like, this is why we do this. It just turned out to be like a more chill. Like you get home from church, you eat, take a nap, watch football, whatever. And we, my mom usually wouldn't cook dinner on Sundays. We would eat like popcorn or tuna fish, something really simple. So it was kind of... It was definitely different in that day. It was a slow day. Well, that difference would make it very Jewish because my understanding of the traditional Sabbath is that it started at Friday evening at sundown. It went through Saturday evening at sundown. And there were things that they did, like they didn't prepare food on those days. And I think when I think about Sabbath, I think of this very legalistic version of basically you do nothing for mm-hmm. 24 hours like you're not allowed mm-hmm. to play you're not allowed to work you're not allowed to like it, it, it to me it just sounds like all these things that you're not allowed to do or that you're not supposed mm-hmm. to do and that I think that defines sort of my understanding um of of Sabbath mm-hmm. I had a pretty like chill slow experience and associations with the idea of not not really Sabbath but Sundays mm. Um, and I say not Sabbath because I don't remember it being like this intentional. We set this aside. Maybe my parents did that and I just just went over my head. But as an adult, um, it, until I worked, started working at Starbucks uh, when I was, how old was I? I don't know, 25, something like that, 24, 23. It still had that same restful, chill connotations like play volleyball with people, visit with friends, hang out, do what you want. But then when I went and got a job there, they were like, no, 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 you can't, like, not work on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And so my experience of Sabbath changed drastically once I got into, like, a job where Sundays were the worst day to work because it was slow and all the church people that would come through were mean and bad tippers. Gosh, isn't that, isn't that what they say? That's what they all say. Mm Mm-hmm. So one of the things about going back into a job where I now work on Saturday or Sunday is, especially on Easter, I just felt like 
it reminded me that like Sabbath isn't for everybody. Not everybody can do that. And it feels a little bit like this elitist concept where like you have the people who have the privilege to be like, and today I won't do anything. And then you have the people who are like, well, because you're not going to do anything, I'm doing some stuff. I have to come to work because your version of restful means I need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and a a couple of things I want to talk about there in what you're talking about. So one of the parts of that I was reading about the Sabbath that I learned in Heschel's uh, information because he's Jewish and well was Jewish, came to know Christ, but but writes very much about the the deep understanding of Sabbath that you see in the Old Testament and one of the like sort of benchmarks of that version of Sabbath in the Old Covenant was that you couldn't engage in commerce. And that meant mm-hmm. you couldn't participate in a way that makes other people have to work. And mm-hmm. we, as part of this class, had to observe 24 hours of traditional Shabbat, which meant we lit a candle on Friday night. We said a Hebrew blessing over our family, which, by the way, was some hilarity in our house. And then tried to observe for the full day. And I can tell you that one thing I found restful is shopping online. But then when I was like online during the Sabbath, I was like, oh, someone else on the other end is going to have to work because of me. So I, I didn't buy groceries. I didn't go to Target, which is very Sabbath restful for me to walk the aisles. Uh, mm-hmm. All these sort of things that you don't include. And so I, what you're saying would have violated a Sabbath mm-hmm. principle in the Old Testament. The other thing that I think that Dorothy Bass, her writing and understanding of the Sabbath that really affected me was the, just sort of the ideas that come from what we see Jesus establish in the Mm -hmm. New Testament. So a lot of my understanding, a lot of what we're talking about so far is carrying forward this Old Testament idea of Sabbath. And Mm -hmm. She talks about, and I want to quote her correctly because I feel like this was so good. She says, Christians are fortunate when Jewish friends invite us to come to a meal on Friday evening or to keep Sabbath with them. Because on our own, Christians cannot keep Sabbath as Jews do. We know God most fully through the perpetual covenant God made with the Israelites at Sinai. Not through that, but through Jesus Christ. But yet we can honor it in a way that helps us affirm that Jesus was Jew. He was a Jewish person. He kept the Sabbath, but that we can have an authentic Christian form of Sabbath when we practice this idea of Sabbath keeping practices Mm -hmm. versus the Sabbath. And that to me, we talked about the Sabbath also as a spiritual discipline class. Now we've talked about Sabbath as a, as a worship practice class. And the whole thing I took away from it was this idea that under the new covenant and following Jesus, we don't practice the old version of the Sabbath, which is that 24-hour day that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. but that we do need some Sabbatarian principles in our life, some Sabbath-keeping practices that allow us to follow Jesus and allow us to rest and restore and model this idea of God's rest that we see in creation in order to follow Jesus, but but that we don't follow under this 24-hour 
shut it down period mm-hmm. that you see in right. the Old Testament. Yeah. And I mean, the way that Jesus talks about the law and the Ten Commandments is freeing in a way. In a way, it's simpler, but it sets the bar higher. Yes. It's like saying like, no, 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 the Ten Commandments don't apply to you. Oh, but don't worry. What you're called to is actually more, more. challenging. Because the question is, what would what would love do, essentially? Because he breaks it down into, he simplifies it to the two. Mm-hmm greatest commandments that he gives so at the same time when i'm thinking about the origins of sabbath the old testament the old covenant the ten commandments i understand that but in a way the the model that god gives in the creation story to me it feels more compelling because it's Mm -hmm. an example not a rule yes it's God showing us what's good as opposed to saying, like, here's the things that you have to do. And even the way that Jesus looks back and t- and talks about the Sabbath kind of yeah. underscores that example to me rather than like following this rule. Look to this example. Yeah, because you in the Gospels, you have Jesus and he, it, I mean, he observed the Jewish Sabbath. He grew up Jewish, but then he you know, ignored some of the laws that other teachers said that you should restrict. And he said it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And he mm-hmm. reorients the idea of what can happen on the Sabbath, that you can do good on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And I think about that idea of doing good and what is good on the Sabbath. Well, you know, going to worship is good on the Sabbath. I mean, you don't have to have a legalistic idea of Sabbath or the Ten Commandments to know that, like, being in community and worshiping mm-hmm. with other believers is good and restful and restorative. And then Laberton, in his book, The Dangerous Acts of Worship, he talks about this idea that like our ability to do good is directly connected to our ability to Sabbath keep and rest. And what really affected me in that idea is that he talked a lot about burnout and how Mm -hmm. if you are loving your neighbor, if you are serving in places, if you are entering into suffering, if you're doing all of these things that following Jesus requires us to do out of love, if you do all of those things without rest, without being in the presence of God without prayer, without these things that the Sabbath brings to restore us, like you will burn out. And I've experienced, like I am a victim of ministry burnout. Like I am a case study in what it looks like. And I believe that what God has been teaching me over the last really year and a half of my surgery recovery and everything else is how desperately my body needs rest. Um, and restoration in order to engage with people the way Jesus did. And you see Jesus rest. Like, mm-hmm. that's always been a part of it that, you know, how when it says, like, Jesus stole away to pray and they mm-hmm. found Jesus napping. <laughs> Jesus mm-hmm. was asleep in the boat. I'm like, mm-hmm. he was human. And he shows us that, like, rest is good and that it was necessary for the mission and who he was. And so, I think reorienting our understanding of Sabbath to Sabbath keeping practices and why those are important can help it not seem so elitist. Mm-hmm. Not- one of the things that I liked about the what Dorothy, I can't remember her last name, what she had to say was she really addressed 
the fact that our culture is not set up in a way that makes it easy for us to observe observe the Sabbath and especially when you have so many like socioeconomic distinctions between classes and lifestyles and the people who are like no I have to work I have multiple jobs I work on all the days you know um and looking at that framework and saying within this less than ideal non non-christian hostile to the sabbath culture how do we still pursue a sabbath rest yeah because one of the things she says that i think is so profound and it says that um sabbath keeping that one of the cruelest features of the american economy which asks too much of many people is that it casts aside those who have to work in order for the affluent or elitist, as you would say, to be able to engage in these things. But, like, the economy keeps turning. Everyone doesn't get to stop on Sunday. So yeah. not everybody has that same choice. And I follow this, um, I follow this Instagram account called The Nap Ministry, N-A-P, Nap Ministry. And I think it's run by African Americans talking about the black experience and how resting is just sort of this radical act of um, sort of seeking justice. But all they do is they talk about like taking naps and what a radical act that is to sort of disengage from the machine of the economy and be like, to be a human, I, I have to, I have to rest. And even without the sort of Christian framework that we bring to it, the recognition that rest is necessary for humans to function. Yeah, I think Ruth Haley Barton, back to Sacred Rhythms, one of the things that she talks about in there is that though there is part of us, and I know people struggle with this because they've commented on my Instagrams when I talked about how rest is on the agenda for this year, is that how guilty we can feel when we do rest Mm -hmm. and how even if you take the time to nap, if you take the time to just disengage from the world, if you like leave the housework undone or you, or you leave a task undone because you need to rest it, like you wake up from it and now you have to deal with the fact that you feel guilty about the fact that you rested. And I think one of the like sort of just orientations for me in that is like, number one, God rested. So why would we feel guilty about mm-hmm. resting? And then the other two is that that guilt um, can come from a place of pride. It can come yeah. from a place that says, like, one, we know better than God. Like, God needed to rest, but we don't. Or mm-hmm. that it can come from a place of saying, like, no, God, you can't do these things unless I'm burning it at both ends 24-7. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it all relies on me. Everything yeah. has to be done by me. It's like this ultimate idea of self-reliance that, like, no, I don't have time to rest. Like, that's prideful. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow, because I think that's my sin in it a lot of times because I, I, it is a sin to say that the world will yeah. stop turning if I take a nap. Who do you think you are? <laughs> that if you go to sleep, it's over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, I see that. Yeah, I see mm-hmm. that. And that has been a huge part for me to sort of surrender some things that might not get done or might not happen, but but mom, wife, daughter, sister, friend, 
pursuer of justice, lover of Jesus that I am is is so much more effective when I'm rest, like when I take time to actually rest and do. Just things. go ahead and add nap taker onto nap that. taker onto that. Um, I think um, one of the ways that Labberton talked about Sabbath that really resonated with me. I I don't think of myself as a greedy person. I think of myself as a generous person. I like giving gifts. Gifts are my love language and I love giving gifts. But when it comes to my time, I am so, so greedy. When it comes to like my internal resources, I, I think I don't want to go over and have that visit because it's going to take up my resources and I don't want to feel deplete. I just want to make sure I feel like I've got enough inside. And I don't know if that's the introvert in me. I know like the Enneagram talks about that a little bit, but I can be very greedy with my time and my internal resources. And he talked about the Sabbath as um, a way that when we wrestle with keeping the Sabbath and resting, it's denying that we have limits and it's Mm -hmm. wanting to be greedy with time with the fact that we that we won't exist forever we have a finite amount of time in our lives and refusing to stop what we're doing and slow down and make it you know maybe not about us or a purposeful disengaging for a day that when we resist that so hard it's actually this sort of internal um greed hmm. wanting more more time than we have or feeling like what we have the time we have isn't enough and that totally caught me off guard i've never heard about the sabbath and and our struggle to rest talked about in that way but it man it resonated Resonated hugely Mm -hmm. yeah because if anything I'm so protective of of what I feel like are limited internal resources that I have Um, and to spend a day a whole day I mean that is just gross negligence (laughs) to waste a whole day oh wow and when they talk about you know Sabbath like one of the things about Sabbath is like being with people and being yes. in community. Yes. And that feels costly to me. Yes. And uh, that was a surprise to me because the 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 roots or the the historical Sabbath of the Jewish culture um, was that it was a time for family. It was a time for togetherness. It was time for community, which in some ways was liberating to me because I was like, oh, let's just say I am going to try to keep all of Sunday for a Sabbath, going to worship is part of that. But then, you know, our small group meets on Sunday afternoon and a lightning, like, I was like, oh, going to small group is considered a Sabbath keeping activity. Mm -hmm. Engaging with people in that way, having families over for dinner, which we love to do, would be considered Sabbath, but we couldn't cook. It would have to be done in advance Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, but just the idea or that maybe you could just like eat watermelon potentially but when you have to, have to cut it open i just feel like maybe that would be too much right. work for the sabbath yeah <laughs> and you can apparently use the microwave because my professor whose family does hardcore sit shabbat every friday night um they order 
pizza every Friday afternoon to be delivered before Sabbath started, and then they heat it up in the microwave for the next 24 mm-hmm. hours or things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't so, know. That feels like a violation. That feels some, like of the pizza man, the pizza man's uh-huh. labor for your Sabbath. I don't know. I might have to call foul on that one. Um, I think for me, my takeaway from this class and this understanding of Sabbath one is that Sabbath keeping activities don't have to be reserved for Sunday. They can fall anytime. So if your work day is on Sunday or the things that you've been talking about or, you know, for us, it's hard. It was really hard when I was in ministry full time on Sundays and my husband worked Monday through Friday. My off day was Monday. You know, Saturday's the only day we had. But like you said, Saturday's a day where we got to get stuff done. I mean, that's mm-hmm. I mean, that's chore day, errand day, that kind of stuff. So that didn't feel right. But the idea that like playing a family board game, going on a family walk, being together on a Friday night, having family dinner, having a couple over would be a Sabbath keeping activity was liberating to me. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is restful. This it doesn't have to be sort of this idea of what I've thought of, which I now realize was more of an Old Testament idea Mm -hmm. of Sabbath, um, was really helpful. So here's a question for you. Your kids are, are they eight or nine now? Nine. Nine. Okay. What about people who have children that are not quite to that semi-self-sufficient stage? Anything but well, How is a parent supposed to say? I think some of that is... um, Definitely valid because I remember when the boys were little and they were twins, that that was different. Mm-hmm. I think some of that is personality wise because right, yeah. I'm married to an Enneagram seven and he would be like, bring 40 kids over here. We'll I let them run that. wild. I'll barbecue oh. something and it will be the most fun day I've ever had. And his version of what's fun and restful is way would give me a nervous breakdown. Get, exactly. I mean, borderline gets close to me. So I think some of that, the freedom in it is, if it's not restful for you, then it's not a then it's probably not a Sabbath keeping practice. And maybe in that season, for someone who really needs downtime, alone time, introvert time to refuel, Sabbath time with your kids, probably not. Probably not a good Sabbath-keeping practice for you. Uh Um, But I have people, moms, who go to the park and take their kids, and they meet other moms there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's considered probably a Sabbath-keeping practice as well because that can be restful and being community. Um, But, yeah, I would say that that is definitely a challenge. You know, for us, one of our our Sabbath-keeping practices is mo- we usually don't make plans on Friday night. The week is long. The kids are long. We're all tired. And so mm-hmm. we order pizza and we watch a family movie. And it's something that we all look forward to. We engage in what the movie's going to be. It's a pattern that we follow. And it's restful. We get blankets. We get on the couch. And after a mm-hmm. long, hard week, we rest together. Um, and so it may be something as simple as that. Um, but I definitely agree there's seasons where it doesn't make sense. And one of the ways that I've had to put Sabbath keeping in practice, which I know this also speaks to my dynamic and how I'm made, is that I am the personality who from the moment my feet hit the floor to the time I pass out at night, I can be busy. Like that that's that sitting that resting that anything and so my we're back to the rule of life but the rule of life is helpful for me my rule of life or this idea that I try to keep in mind is like that I permission myself 30 minutes 
in the morning, 30 minutes in the evening that I can just sit and rest, read something fun, watch a TV show, whatever that is. Like uh, the weather has been nice. So I've been like going on walks by myself, which I've found to just be restful for me, but to just permission myself to do Sabbath keeping practices in a day, like not a whole day. Not mm-hmm. not signing my family up for hours and hours, but for Luann to have just a little bit of Sabbath, Sabbath keeping every, every day has been just really helpful for me in managing how much I rest and how much I work and how busy I am. So if someone's listening and they realize, or maybe they just have this feeling like, I, I want to engage with that more, how would they begin to think through the New Testament sort of Sabbath practices that we've talked about. I found this helpful from the class uh, to reflect on these questions. What are things that delight you or replenish you? Uh, What are things that make you feel connected to God, whether that's worship, quiet reflection, silence, prayer, solitude, making a list of what you're thankful for, basic sort of things that make you feel like you're connected to God, walking in nature? What are things that replenish your spirit or activities that bring you joy? Is it reading, guarding, journaling, playing games, sports, music, creating something? What are things that make you feel like, make you feel like that give you life? What are things that make your body feel rested? Is it a nap, a walk, a bubble bath, eating Mexican food? That's legit on the list. Sweet. Uh, Sitting in the sun, listening to music. Those are things that you should think about. Restoring your soul, replenishing your spirit, resting your body. There are things that you should think about excluding from your day. Those are work. Think about what triggers your need to be productive. Buying and selling. That's both yourself and other people. Are you indulging too much in consumerism? And the other thing that you can should consider to exclude from your day is worrying. Try to spend time not making a plan or making decisions. And uh, there's another important question is, what chores or activities do you need to complete prior to your Sabbath time? I have to tell you, that question really helped me. Because mm-hmm. if I can think about, okay, here's the things I got to hardcore do this morning in order to make sure that I can rest this afternoon, I am much more likely to just get up and get them done and not walk around half procrastinating, half doing Mm -hmm. all day long. If if there's laundry that needs to be done, then I'm just going to get the laundry done and then know that it is. So that was helpful for me to think about, okay, what all do I need to complete in order to have an hour this afternoon where I have to do nothing? And it's almost like, oh, here's a goal I can work towards. Mm -hmm. Here's how I can get it done. Um, and I feel like the most thing, then it says it right here, feel, figure out how you can do it without it becoming rigid or legalistic. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's becoming that, then it's not Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Do you have a scripture for us today, Lewin? I do. Our scripture today is from the book of Hebrews. It's found in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. It says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Awesome. Thank you so much. 
Well, that's it for today. We hope that you've been encouraged, maybe even amused. If you have, we'd love it if you'd leave a raving review for us on iTunes. You can also join us on Instagram at Seminary Stowaways. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, the opinions expressed on this episode belong solely to Hannah or Luann and do not represent the organizations, institutions, churches, or Starbucks baristas in their lives. Till next time, friends. Thanks for listening.